We're live here again, episode 25. It's another day, another dollar with the Dallas Cowboys out there in training camp. And they're doing some things out there. Uh, we should have some uh, some more things. As you guys know, there's a little delay, but hey, shout out to Facebook too as well. Thank you guys for tuning in too as well. It's, there's so many things on our mind, but first and foremost, let's just go ahead and bring this show in. Tell them who you are. What's up? What's up, guys? It's uh, DDP here joining Law for a little bit of Cowboys Talk, our weekly Cowboys Talk. Although it's a little different tonight, uh, we don't have James because he's actually at training camp as of today. So that that's pretty legit there. I saw he's gone live a couple times with some uh, some good footage. Oh, yes, man. So if we get that footage out there, man, you guys can see who's going on. Uh, are you live on your channel, too, as well, on the YouTube uh yeah yep i All see right. that it's live here you, we you already know who i'm gonna ask you who's the first person that's laying got, wood uh, <laughs> yeah, number one in chat i see is a uh, young onyx and yeah. close on his heels is sugar daddy sugar what's daddy. up guys <laughs> what's up everybody and uh shout out to chris on our end uh, on the on the law nation's youtube page and dj chill i like that name He's second place in Savage Time. You got to keep it, got to get it, got to get a little bit faster, Savage Time. You're third place. And uh, on the Facebook panel, shout out to Chris Newman, too, as well. Those Chris is taking over, man. That's what I'm talking about. Shout out to Wiggle Bell, too, as well. We also got uh, Eric Kushney here in uh, the Silver and Blue Facebook. What's up, guys? Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Holm as well. Robert Holmes. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So, uh, with that being said, what is the first thing that pops out or jumps out to you? Um, as it relates to this training camp, uh, big, uh, I'm about to say big game James, but DDP, what's the first thing to jump out to you? <laughs> I'm so used uh, to asking him yeah. first, but you know. Right, right. Uh, so the, the main thing that's really stood out to me thus far is I've really been impressed with everything I've seen and heard regarding Michael Gallup thus far. James and I in particular were both really high on him as soon as they drafted him. I think I want to say that I beat James in terms of predicting huge things first, at least in terms of this weekly show. I'm sure like he saw him at the combine, so I'm sure he was talking him up before then. But uh, I, I live only on the Dallas Prospect Live uh, thread there. So if we if we went back and looked at the transcripts, I want to say I was predicting that. Although he he's taking a step ahead of me even in that regard. I was saying I figured by end of year he would be the new number one. I, I think he's even higher than that. And I, I've heard some people, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. It was someone um, someone in our network, I want to say, who had uh, just huge expectations. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about that for a rookie year. But uh, if that's the case, I'm going to be super happy. They were saying something along the lines of uh, 800 yards and like six mm-hmm. touchdowns or something. I was like, I'd be thrilled to get that out of Michael Gallup as a rookie. So yeah. love what I see from him so far. Yes, he's making the uh, spectacular catches, and uh, mm-hmm. he's making us forget about certain other wide receivers that used to play for our team. I'm not going to say their name, but uh, he's he's doing. Just start the thing saying the there. player because everyone the assumes player. we hate him anyway. Right, <laughs> <laughs> but but this is the thing with Gallup. Uh, uh, I, I heard on 105.3 the fan. Uh, we always have to give them a shout out, but uh, also shout out Gleh. Gleh, Gleh. It's <laughs> all caps. G L E H. Gleh. 
Glare on the uh, Dallas prospect where every yep. legend was once a prospect, guys. Yes, sir. And this prospect right here, Michael Gallup, he just may be the uh, training camp legend. We need to see it out there on the field. I got a peg player that I want to compare him to, but I'm holding it back. I'm trying not to say it, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is the thing with uh, Gallup. They, now, with 105.3, the fan, uh, I think this guy' uh, name is – no, Tiny Jim. They call him Tiny Jim. He's on the Dallas Cowboys uh, site. And I, and I really like his opinions, although he never played the sport. But I like his opinion because he comes from the, the the angle of not being a Cowboys fan. I think he's a yeah. New Orleans Saints fan. I forgot this guy's name. I think it's uh, David. David Hellman. David Hellman. You know, uh, the reason why I like his opinion is because he definitely is not a Cowboys fan. And it's just so straight on. And he said that uh, the thing that I saw for Michael Gallup, Gallup have these spectacular days. Then all of a sudden he have these days where he's dropping the ball, the ball yeah. hitting on his body. So yeah, he, he's a little yeah. up and down. But I mean that that's not anything. Be, that's not anything crazy to me, given he, he's a rookie and all that. Right. I mean, as far as how many balls are being thrown at him and all that overall, I, I think he'll be fine. It's just a matter of, uh, as he said, it's not a bad day; it's a learning day. So I, I think he's got strong hands, and he's not especially fast, but he's a very crisp route runner. And it's been clear so far that Dak has uh, really taken a notice of him, goes to him a lot. And uh, you can tell they're building a rapport there, which is really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's something spectacular when you can build that rapport with a young receiver and all you can say to yourself, okay, this is at least four years in the making, you know, with this young guy. Yeah. Then on top of that, I'm seeing what I'm seeing with uh, Alan Hearns, you know, these guys, they're not burners, but they got that short area of quickness. And then you sprinkle in a Tavon Austin who can take it over the top. Those are camp heroes right now. Alan Hearns, uh, Tavon Austin, and the uh, Gallup. Yeah, um, on the on the offensive end, absolutely. Um, I wanted to say something as well uh, regarding – this is more so regarding Dak, but it kind of explains why Gallup is a good fit for him. Um I was listening to the ticket earlier today and the they ticket. had, I think it was, yeah, 1310 the ticket. <laughs> and I believe it was David Moore of the Dallas Morning News they had on. Maybe I'm getting that source wrong. But they, they had him on and he, he had a really good point where he was talking about uh, the diff- kind of the differences between Romo and Dak in that mm-hmm. Romo is more of a inside out quarterback as far as how, or sorry, outside in quarterback as far as how he views the field. Uh, he's always looking to buy that extra half second and he wants 25 yards on any given play. Right. He'll let a receiver break off a little bit from their routes and, you know, improvise a little more. Whereas Dak is a little bit more inside out. He's more by the books as far as how he does it. So there's a reason why for Dak, the slot receivers and the tight ends get more looks and all of that and get that because it's more, it's a more by the numbers approach. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not to say that, that it's a bad approach. It's just a different style of approach. And that was part of why Dez, who came up not in that system and everything, didn't necessarily gel with him. He didn't get the same looks. And when Dak had to go there, it was outside of his comfort zone. Another great example, and by no means am I saying these two are one and the same. It's just another example that shows that you can have that style of quarterback play and still be good. Tom Brady is an inside-out receiver. Oh, wow. Tom Brady had, except for the Randy Moss year or two, a couple of years he had, he never had an elite wide receiver. Who are the best receivers in New England? It's always Gronk, the tight end, mm-hmm. or the smaller undersized receivers, an Amendola or a Wes Welker. 
right. uh, Woodhead, guys like that. Those are the ones who really work within that system, and it's because he's inside out as far as how he views it. Dak mm-hmm. views things similarly, which is why Cole Beasley year one and Jason Witten year one were huge, his number one and two targets as far as receptions and things like that. It's just how the style of play works out, and that's part of why they never built the same level of chemistry. But uh, with the Cowboys and what they're building now, mm-hmm. everything they're finding is guys who can play inside or outside, and so it's kind of helping build that rapport. And even if even if uh, he's not super strong throwing the ball more so – outside as much as they move guys around you'll still keep everyone involved yeah and when you're keeping everyone involved it's harder for the defense to really horn in on somebody and i was listening to uh the radio station earlier today they was talking about the uh the, the aspect of moving uh cole beasley on the outside and he's five foot nine give or take right 180 pounds yeah. and yep. just by natural geometry you can't have that type of receiver on the outside and uh, they're talking about the Tavon Austins and things like that. But neither here nor there. You can have the smaller guy, just rotate him, move him to the inside. You can have those motion sweeps. And then that's little creativity. Uh, they were saying that too as well. Exactly what you were saying. And and I think uh, Romo, about seven days ago, he was live on WFAA. He was doing an interview. And he was talking about the exact same thing you were talking about. The outside to the end and how he read through his progressions and how he was able to look at Des Bryant fam from last year. And he said he saw the exact same Des Bryant that he was playing with. And he, hmm. and he did mention this right here live on the, uh, on the end interview. He said that uh, although Des Bryant never was a crisp route runner, he just knew mm-hmm. how to give him the ball, you know, and yeah. and he never ran the route, and he mentioned this, and this is not me throwing shade or salt at Dez Bryant, but his route running technique, he said it would never be of a Antonio Brown of the uh, Steelers. No. But uh-uh. he he knows the language on way on the way that uh, Dez Bryant liked to receive the ball. That speaks volumes, guys. That yeah. just speaks volumes. So I do know that a lot of people are so gun ho on the uh, the quarterback that slings the ball 30 yards down the field and this sort of thing. But really, if you just really think about it, the gunslinger mentality quarterbacks, they rarely win the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is a rarity, absolutely, for the gunslinger quarterback to win. Uh, that's not to say that you need a bus driver by any means. Uh, those <laughs> right. are equally rare, but I don't view Dak as that. I just think that right. his style of play uh, works more so, like I said, inside out, and that's going to get you a lot of work with slot guys. That's why Dallas got a bunch of guys who are versatile. I mean, they've been lining up. Mm-hmm. Now, we've never seen Beasley lined up outside, really. Right. I don't think ever. <laughs> and there have been days where they've lined up Beasley and Tavon Austin, both of them outside on the same plays. So they're they're clearly trying to get more creative with this. And part of that is out of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. The number one complaint against the offense last year, you know, when they, they fired every coach that wasn't a coordinator or the head coach. <laughs> so the complaint was okay, the offense was stagnant, it was predictable. Uh, you know, they lined everyone up in the same places every every down, and teams just knew what to what was coming on third and seven every time, exactly what guy was running what route, and it was just it was easy to guard against. Mm-hmm. So now now they're like, okay, well, we're going to make it where everyone expands their route tree and we're going to line up guys in unusual places. We're going to line up in interesting ways. Uh, Alan Hearns has been inside and out as far as uh, mm-hmm. where he lines up as well. So 
I like it. I like the idea of it. Now, would it still be nice to have the big body receiver out there? Yeah. 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 But I think, I guess, at this point, they felt that they had seen enough of that experiment uh, where for at least now, unless Gallup can turn into that in time, they seem to have seen enough of it where they're just kind of content with going with a bunch of more so undersized guys. I think their biggest receiver, they got two guys who are 6'1". Hearns is listed at 6'1". He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't look like a real 6'1 to me. Maybe that's 6'1 with cleats. <laughs> right. But uh, relatively smaller guys, especially in Tavon and Beasley's case, and just shifty, fast, shifty, they agile are, guys. Yeah, they shifty, quick, the short area quickness. Now, they do have this guy, number 19. He's like six foot. Some depth chart showed he's six foot six. Some show that he's like six foot three. So Mikhail I'll, or whatever? Yeah, I'm just going to go in the middle, you know, six yeah. foot four and a half. And, okay. and, he, and he, when you look at some of the film out there, you will see, like, this guy looks like a tight end. And, and he's not that frill-looking guy. He looked like he just really That's the dude that had the crazy one-handed – or cra- not one-handed, the crazy catch the other day, right? The catch of the day? Yeah, he was just snagged. Yeah. I'm like, Moss, Moss, Randy Moss. Yeah. The guy that yeah. had the one-hand catch the other day it was, was T-Wheel. And I was like – I had to do my eyes. I had to squint my eyes and say, is that T-Wheel? Is that 8-3? Well, that's another receiver, you know. <laughs> yeah, he caught exactly. the ball literally with one hand. And I had to really pause and rewind, pause and rewind, and <laughs> see that that was T. Will. T. Will caught the ball with one hand. I, I, I'm still. It's like Ripley's. Believe it or not, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me run through here uh, some of the silver and blue uh, commenters here. Shout outs to Antonio, mm-hmm. Ryan, uh, Ryan Die. See you in there, Gregory Rodriguez. Cindy Henson, what's Cindy. up? Say, hey, hey, Cindy, what's going on? Lionel Montgomery, what's up? Uh, da, 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 da. Matt Hernandez as well, yeah. Hernandez. Shout out to you guys uh, in the chat. And on my uh, side, yeah. Juice21 and Clay, I see you, Harsh Patel, and uh, produced by Germ. Shout out to you, streaming Willie Beeman, you know, the, the Eagles – uh, Die Hard Eagles fan is up in here. So shout out to him <laughs> too as well. Hector, shout out to you, Jason Jackson. And the you, the you up in here, man. <laughs> do we wanna do we wanna real quick dive into the Zeke lawsuit before we oh, get yeah. back into training camp? Oh yeah. Go ahead and touch on that. Uh I yeah. know you probably read the article from yeah. front to back. Uh, well, I saw, I saw uh Ryan die in the comments on Silver and Blue asking about it. So from what I've from what I've gathered from it uh basically it's related to a january 2017 car accident in which zeke uh, headed to practice accidentally ran a red light hit this guy's car his uh bmw on the front passenger side and i guess hit it well enough that it totaled both cars wow and uh it sounds like just for whatever reason you know even though both drivers insured and all that it hasn't been taken care of yet uh and the guy's got he says you know pain and all that from it lingering pain and so basically he's suing zeke for 100 or uh not 100 wow. just a million dollars not 100 million thankfully uh for a million dollars i where i was going with that is odds are it'll be settled in some way and he'll probably get something closer to like 100 to 2100 dollars it's not going to be a million like he's asking for because in cases like this you don't typically profit Mm-hmm. like unless you're really messed up in which case you're not going to enjoy the money anyway um so it'll probably be something where it's like the damages of the car and his medical bills of course right but i i don't see him making a whole lot more than that so i don't i don't know what the total 
cost is going to be, but it'll probably get resolved here soon. It, it sounds like it was just a relative, uh, not harmless. I mean, obviously Zeke ran a red light, but it, right. it's not like it was anything more than an accident as far as we know. And so it grabs attention just because it's Zeke's name. And it, you know, some people were like, oh, God, what did he do now? And like, no, no, calm down. It's mm-hmm. first of all, this is, you know, over a year and a half ago now. And it's just something that hasn't uh, gotten taken care of yet. It'll probably be handled, I would imagine, by the insurance at this point. I'm kind of wondering why this far in it hasn't apparently been dealt with. Mm, I'm looking for this comment on my uh, and I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm trying to find this comment. And you guys might know this in the chat box and you might know, too, as well, DDP. Uh, yeah. the, the state of Texas, uh, they, they, I can't find it. Is it a right to uh, what is the lawsuit? Well, like when you have uh, insurance and I forgot, I'm trying to find that comment. Uh, uh, I saw I mean, someone chime in with some answer along those lines on the silver and blue page. The, the legal term of like, you know, you can hit somebody as long as you have full, complete God, coverage or whatever. Coverage yeah. Or something like that. I cannot find it. it I, I, <laughs> since this morning or this evening, I got tons of comments, comments in my YouTube page, so I'm not able to find it. Um, vehicular but, manslaughter no vehicular thankfully manslaughter. it's not that <laughs> no <laughs> but uh zekio elliott came out un- unfazed right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. uh we, we never heard anything serious in that regard it sounds like he's fine and uh the guy sounds like he might have some lingering issues but i mean hopefully it's taken care of and he gets whatever money he needs regarding his medical stuff and his car. I mean, even if even if he has a BMW, that thing's not cheap. If your car got yeah. totaled by someone running a red light, I'd want them to have to them or their insurance to have to pay for it anyway. It's it's kind of like those TV shows that you see, and then when they find out that the person is a celebrity, they show up in court. They have the neck brace on, and they come in, yeah. in there. And they're like, "Oh, uh, this car was the sentimental value of a car, and it gave it was passed down from my great great grandfather, and, and this car is." is you cannot pl- replace this car and i'm seeking uh two million dollars you know yeah <laughs> no no i don't think it's anything crazy like that i think they always shoot a little high because they know the settlement will be more in the range anyway of what it should be but if you say if you go in saying like i want a hundred thousand dollars which is like maybe the exact cost they're like oh well we'll settle for fifty thousand or something and then right. you're like well yes that's not how much i need <laughs> so you always shoot high anyway knowing there's going to be at least one counter back if not two Mm. And it, it just sounds so crash to me, though, right? You know, yeah. but I guess people have ways of hustling, I guess. But it's just still what much to do about nothing, right? Yeah. You think Ezekiel yeah, is still stay focused, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to distract. I don't think it's going to be any problem moving forward. Um, one, one thing I will throw out there at you, uh, DDP, and I don't know if you've been following this news. Uh, this is okay. way in Ohio. The Urban uh, Meyer uh, situation with the uh, lady coming forward with the domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And if he's figured out, if he find a way to fight this thing, and this, mm-hmm. I know that we wasn't ready for this, everybody in the chat box, but if they subpoena his phone and they dig in a little deeper, and if this thing goes far beyond, you know, <laughs> that yeah. particular situation, it goes all the way back towards Zeke, it can be some uh, trickle down effect. So uh, you, I don't what know you how think it he would going to do. I, you think he's going to step down? Uh, I think he's absolutely they're they're I think working on his departure now his buyout he's already been placed on uh on I think it's unpaid academic leave or paid academic leave whatever he's on leave mm-hmm. and seeing as how camp is like opening up like for them or their spring camp whatever is like opening up now it, that's 
to me a sign that they're working on some kind of parting of ways. But the thing with that, from everything I've heard, that sounds like he's pretty dead to rights in that regard because, so it was his wide receiver coach. And it sounds like dating back to like 2015, that there was some serious uh, domestic violence stuff with him and his pregnant wife, which is never a good start for the story, but that he knew about it then. And him and his wife had kind of like kind of counseled them about it. And at the time, we're kind of like, oh, you know, well, um, don't basically encouraging her not to come forward because it would like ruin his professional career and that would right. hurt the family as a whole anyway. And the reason he held on to this guy, because you might be kind of wondering, like, well, why would you why is that the hill you would die on your wide receivers coach? <laughs> right. The reason is it's the wide receiver coach is the grandson of Urban Meyer's mentor that brought him into coaching like mm that was the initial Ohio state connection uh, through urban Meyer from my understanding, like their coach. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but I was listening to uh, Jean Jacques Taylor earlier today on um, ESPN. Uh, He's huge Buckeye guy. And he was talking about that. So that's why uh, I guess through some sense of loyalty, urban was trying to sort of protect the guy. And then his problem is uh, that at media day last week, he claimed that he knew nothing of it, even though he has since fired the guy, Mm -hmm. he claimed he knew nothing about it. But then some reporter did a bunch of investigating and found that through the wives of the coaches and things like that, there was like a group text that pretty much mm. confirms like, yeah, he he knew about it the whole time and uh, was kind of like just keeping it quiet as best he could. So that that's the problem there. Um, mm. I, I think he's probably done. And that's that's a huge blow to a major blue chip program for sure. Yes, indeed. So, uh, hey, you didn't know you were going to get Ohio State <laughs> boy today, <laughs> but but we live on a Ohio Ohio State syndicate channel somewhere. You know, EBSN, oh yeah, EBSN. You know. Yeah, we got the logo down there. Everything Buckeyes. See, yeah. it's like we were contractually obligated, even though we actually weren't. <laughs> right. So that's another contractual. The, right. Contractual obligation implies that we got paid to talk about it. We haven't. <laughs> that's enough of the law, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But moving forward, man. Uh, back to the uh, the training camp. Everybody in the chat chat box is saying something about jeff heath i think he must have made a major play or something like that this yeah, is he had, a, he had a good day he, yeah he, he's having a good day um he had a couple picks from what i understand so wow yeah Who did um he pick well, off though did he pick off uh one, Dak Prescott? One was, yeah one was Dak. it was off at, the one i saw was Dak, and it was oh, off wow. a tipped pass okay um yeah the defensive back got a hand in and knocked it up and he made a great diving interception before it hit the ground so mm-hmm. uh very very nice play there the guy's got a clutch gene to him i i think he's actually in some respects underappreciated now he struggled mightily through parts of last mm-hmm. year but he does have a bit of a clutch factor we know in that playoff game he made two picks one just got called back because of something completely unrelated on the other side of the field with mo claiborne right <laughs> he made the play last year that for at least a week saved the season against oakland when he forces that fumble through the end zone so he's got he's got a knack and he led the team in picks last year. So uh, I I think he can still be a solid contributor. Um, I, I who knows at this point regarding anything Earl Thomas, but oh, Earl if, Thomas. if we have him, I'm hoping that year two of him being the starter, he can take a step forward. Maybe just the start of year one was rough for him because he had never been the starter before. And suddenly it's like going from, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 plays a game to suddenly 55 plays a game. And it just, you know, was, it was exposed him a little bit. Maybe that's kind of what we saw with Jalen Smith last year too. He did better in smaller doses. 
Right, and I think that is what they're doing now. I, I heard the other day, I don't know if you heard of it, LVE had two forced fumbles. Yep, yep, and, I saw one of those too. Uh, just got a hand in there and just wrenched it out really nice. Actually, I like that a lot. Uh, I, I might actually, in some respect, like that better than even the peanut punch because <laughs> in that regard, you got your hand in there anyway, and just you, you got a hand on them. And I feel like the peanut punch, if you <laughs> if you miss that, you're, one, you're counting on someone just holding holding the guy up while you do it anyway. But you always worry you want your guy to have his hand on him and be able to drag him down. If he can't force the fumble, at least drag him down. You don't want to see a guy punch at the ball and then the guy break away and keep running and you just look stupid. But Yes, indeed. Hey, my best free agent uh, well, offseason acquisition is that uh, Chris Richard, man. Yeah, He's bringing all absolutely. type of energy. I hear him out there uh, saying – Hey, y'all can't do nothing. Y'all can't stop. We're going to stop y'all. We're going to shove it down your throats. We're going to do yep. this. And he's just all in the offense face. I'm sitting there like, whoa, wow. Where this guy mm-hmm. come from? And he got energy out there. And he and they, they say he got cliques on, man. He's running around with cliques on. <laughs> shout yeah. out to Miss Jackie, man. Shout out to you. And uh, Vanilla Mamba, shout out to you. And also, Mr. Wright, thank you for tuning in too as well. Vanilla mamba. Mamba is a black snake, I think, in <laughs> Africa. So wouldn't it be like albino mamba? <laughs> hey, that's a cold name, too. Somebody create albino <laughs> mamba. But, you yeah, know, I yeah. like the black mamba because that's my yeah. boy. Kobe right. Bean Bride boy. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> yeah, um, speaking of uh, the defense, yeah, the defense has absolutely shown out thus far in camp. And the, the defense has been ahead of the offense. Now, people are going to always ask, is that because the offense, particularly Dak, has he stunk or has the defense really just been that good? I think the defense is going to be a lot better than people expect. I think the secondary is much better. I think even even if they didn't have Chris Richard, they were going to be better just through you know getting reps and learning and growing a year in the system and all of that. But bringing someone like that in and implementing kind of that style of play, that system, that that's something that can change the whole dynamic. Byron Jones in particular – He's one of the other dudes who thus far I've seen is having pretty much the best camp of any of the secondary is Byron Jones. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I think for his physical tools, Chris Richard and the system that they're running is putting him in a, the best possible situation for him to succeed. I think bef- up until now, people have been lukewarm to even cold on him, but they don't they don't know yet what he's going to be able to do now i'm not saying he's going to be a high pick guy but i think he can be a very very good cornerback for them now and this is like the perfect pairing for him at this point in his career whether that's staying with dallas or you know i think they got him under contract i think they got an option on him after this year even so they might have him for two more years but it's interesting for sure i think this could be a perfect pairing for him that changes the course of his career Yes, indeed. And then if you want to look back at just the war of attrition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, him and, well, we know Jason Witt never got off the field when he was playing for us. But right. If you look back at this, these these are the two players that pretty much just always on the field, uh, believe it or not. is uh, T-Will, he's always on the field, and Byron Jones. They just don't miss games, and we need that. And that builds continuity. I do know that T-Will didn't have a good year last year. But if we yeah. look at it from this aspect – this Byron Jones, I want him to be the nuance because we saw how he's really uh, physical. He can play physical enough to to shield off or play the tight end, right? And now you're going to put him on the receiver or the wide receivers out there. Hey, 
I want him to be just like when you guys wash the wash clothes at home. That agitator that's in the middle. That agitator knocks around everything. You cannot wash your clothes without the agitator. And that is yeah. what Byron Jones is. He will be the agitator this year. He will be that long, lengthy uh, guy that's always in your face. And then he's just going to stick to stick around. If, if Chris Richard plays these guys like up front, up tight, I think that we, we can get an extra two or three interceptions just off of agitation alone. That's a cold. Yeah. That's a cold analogy, right? Somebody yeah. gonna look at their washer. They gonna look at their washer today and say, "What's that middle thing? That's the agitated law we're talking about." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, the, I think the defense is going to be much improved, and I think the offense will still be. I think the offense will still be good. Now, it might not be the super explosive offense we've seen in recent years. I mean, when I say that, I'm not obviously not 2015 but right. aside from that you know through all those eight and eight years we had great offense no defense mm-hmm. and that's for the most part continued except for 2015 last year started good like i said they had a string of five games with at least 30 points or 28 points something like that like they they were doing well but they hit a wall at the midpoint of the season and fell off a cliff for three, four weeks. And then when they got back, they could still score, but it wasn't in like a pretty kind of manner. You'd have like the case where they put the beat down on the Redskins mm-hmm. at Washington. Right. Where <laughs> the score looked nice, but it was more mostly like the defense producing and Dak's numbers certainly weren't that impressive that game. So I, I think that I think that the offense will still be good. I think it's going to be complimentary enough to their prime identity as far as running the ball feeding zeke and feeding to a lesser extent uh smith and all of that but i also think they're going to get zeke more involved in the passing game i think i've I've been calling for that uh, since the start of last year that i wanted dallas to utilize zeke a little bit more in the passing game not saying go full levy on bell necessarily but get him involved in that passing game and i think now they're going to probably need to look to do it because a big part of the shift in the receiver forces them like you got to have a safety valve for Dak. Mm-hmm. And I think Zeke in the open field with the ball, we've seen what he can do with that. So I, I absolutely think this is finally going to be the time to find uh, for him to get to make that kind of impact. Now I'm not saying it'll be, you know, five, six catches a game. It might only be one, two or three in a you know rare case, but just the fact that it's there makes you account for him, which can help. Yes, indeed. Uh, hey, when you talk about that type of stuff, it just brings me like to another world of imaginations. I want everybody in the chat box, do this for me. Just just close your eyes and imagine, right? Just close your eyes and imagine us flipping the field. Well, I'm talking about special team. People fail to realize that is what Tavon Austin can bring to this team too as well. Mm-hmm. If we can find a way to flip the field, and you have this defense, too, as well, just starving, hungry defense, playing with a mentality that Chris Richard have everybody playing with a Ph.D. mentality. Poor, hungry, and determined to fly out there to the ball. And when I'm talking about playing with half of a field, can you imagine? Close your eyes now. Close your eyes. Can you imagine Ezekiel Elliott with half of a field? Come on now. Come yep. on. I, I can't serenade this moment any better. If you have Ezekiel Elliott with a half of a field and you have Dan Bailey, Dan the money man Bailey, you know for sure at least you're getting three points out of the deal. If we can flip that field and we can win that part of the battle, man, special teams 
shout out to special team because Tavon Austin, he's running punt returns, he's running kickoff returns, and we got some other guys that can do that job duty too as well. But if mm-hmm. we can flip that field and have half of a field, this this team may just be averaging 28 points a game just like it was, the, what, the first eight games, right? Uh, I don't know if that 25? was their overall it was, it was 25. average. It was, it was something along the lines of 27, I want to say, through the first eight. Um, I, I, I can I, I can put my dollar it, on it that it's going to be a little bit better this year. If yeah, we can I know they have had 19 have in the field. opener, which would drag that down a little bit. But right. <laughs> yeah, well, I I can compile that here shortly, maybe. But yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um, Robert Holm points out. Uh, now I haven't seen this quote, but he's saying that Coney Ely has said that this D is stronger than the 2015 Super Bowl Panthers defense. That's, that's oh, some buddy. serious, serious, uh, high claims there, high remarks. Oh. Uh, I, I think it's a defense that's absolutely getting stronger. I don't know for sure yet, but but that just, it's that. you know why? I'm so Maybe crunk that's right banking there. on Greg uh, Gregory as well. You know why I'm so crunk when he said that, right? Because mm. before the season started, I said this team, this team alone reminds me of the 2015 uh, Carolina Panthers. Because they go. were coming out of the, uh, the, the the woodshed of cutting uh, Steve Smith, letting him go, and it was putting everything on Cam Newton. You know, they were saying that this is now Cam Newton's team. They just recently, uh, I think Olsen was uh, pretty much running. I guess they made that trade for Greg Olsen at that point. Or he, he I guess he played the year before on that team. But this team was gelling together. And, and that 2015 um, uh, Panthers started off. I think they started off real slow. I think they lost their first game, but then they went on a winning streak, you know, or winning streak. Yeah, was that, was that the year that Cam Newton wrecked his truck or whatever, and that was like some weird turning point in the season for them? That was the year he wrecked his truck, and that was also I think I'm thinking. Don't quote me on this because I don't follow the Panthers that much. All all I want is us to beat the Panthers first week one, but. Yeah, I think that was the year he wrecked his truck, and that was the year it was a big fight with him and and, uh, and Josh Norman. It made the news that, yeah. you know, Josh Norman, yep. they got into a fight. And that's why I always say, I don't want us to to uh, to just finish the fight. I want us to start the fight. I want us to be at the end of the game where people just say, Fatality. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I agree. At the end of the game, that's what I want to hear, just that. Fatality. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Cindy here is uh, saying, Law Nation, think you're so handsome. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Look, I'm blushing. I'm turning red right now. You know the, what the I mean? Voice, the, voice is, the voice is half the package. <laughs> and remember, you're listening. I <laughs> just play with you. <laughs> yes, indeed. So what else, uh, man? What else we got on that uh, ticket there? Uh, let's see. Uh, another training camp, um, interesting kind of thing I've noted uh, we, we've had, you know, the, obviously the whole change up with how they've lined up the receivers. I'm curious to see from the tight end perspective, uh, who's been stepping up. And so far I've heard a lot about Jarwin and a lot about Jeff Swaim. And I think it's probably going to be one of them that takes it. Jarwin's a nice big target. I think he's like six, six or something like that. Like yeah, everyone always talks about Rico's size, but I'm pretty, pretty sure Blake Jarwin's no slouch either. Uh, in that department, and he's from Oklahoma State, I want to say. I feel like I watched him play in college a little bit, but mm-hmm. let's see. Uh, no, he's 6'5", so I was close. 6'5", so, 6'6", oh, six, yeah. six, six, you know. Yeah, yeah. 6'6", <laughs> six, six with cleats. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, shout but, out to Vodge Lombardi, the people champ that's in the chat box, you know. Oh, let, there you go. Shout yeah. out, Vodge. Let me know if you want to come on. Now. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me know because I can always send out that uh, that that, that uh, official link to the to, to the Vodge Lombardi, you know. <laughs> shout out to uh, Jacob Perkins and Stevie Mac 23 here in the prospect, as well as uh, Travion Wallace. Shout out, guys. Thank you for watching. Uh, let's see. James Wolf Goolsby. Tavon Austin puts you in. Wait. Puts you in the mind of Miles Austin. Uh, I think he's just talking about like it. They blend together just because their names are similar or something to that effect. I think that's what he was saying. Did the but Miles Austin effect? Miles versus- Austin, Tavon Austin. Like it's just similar name. Like blend them together. You know, sometimes a guy will. You'll see a guy wearing like. 19. If I tell you jersey number 19 for Cowboys, who do you think of? First, I could think of Bryce Butler, you know. All right. Well, I was going to say still Miles Austin is what comes to my oh, mind first. Oh, yeah, Miles but, Austin. <laughs> no, I mean, you, it, we disagree on who comes to mind, but that, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, Butler was another one. For some uh, reason to me. To me, I always uh, looked at yeah. Butler and thought like, oh, he's wearing Miles' old number. Like some numbers lock into your mind. I think he's saying the same thing with like, regard to the receiver, wearing, or right, the receiver right. named Austin. I think that's well, yeah. to me, whenever I hear Miles Austin in the Cowboys, I always think of fourteen when he wore number fourteen. He ran the that was like one year. One that was year. the that's, Seattle that's, kickoff return. Yeah, that's, that was the year. I was like, man, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> put him uh, out yeah. there. You know, <laughs> you, you could have quizzed like half the audience on Miles Austin's jersey number, the first jersey number, and I don't know how many of them would have gotten fourteen. Right. Nobody. I remember that. <laughs> I remember it now that you said it. Like I knew it was a different number, but. I would have said 13 or 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14. That's that's not as clean of a number for some reason. Ah, you know, like 14. That's that's my guy, Lance For, for basketball, that's fine. For yeah. football, it seems like an odd number. I, I don't know. I remember when they switched over and receivers could start wearing, like, teens on their jerseys instead of 80-something, and that was interesting at first. But I, I like it now. Uh, yeah. I just can't think of many receivers, like star receivers that have uh, 14. The Rams have someone, Woods, maybe? Or is that nobody, Connor Cup I'm thinking of? Nobody, someone wears 14. I don't think nobody is like a star, star receiver that wears number 14. And I could no, be wrong. probably not. Probably and, not. And who in basketball wears number 14 is just, just killing it? Uh... Nobody, man. Uh, that 14 must be an unlucky. <laughs> it must uh, be a- I mean, we're, we're talking weird jersey <laughs> numbers. Luka Doncic is about to be rocking 77. So That's weird, yeah. My, yeah. my, my guy, Dennis Rodman, used to wear those weird numbers, too, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, that happens. Oh, uh, they say the Diggs, really Diggs, Diggs wear number 14. Shout out to uh, Memphis. Stephon Diggs, yes, Minnesota. Diggs. There yeah, you Minnesota. go. Yeah, man, we were like, Shout oh, no crazy. star receivers. Like, hey, damn, my hey, ass. You, <laughs> we talking about 14. Guess what this guy's name Crazy fourteen maniac, man. My bad. We- <laughs> He's over there just pissed. <laughs> He's like, "Whoa, man, wait a minute. You guys talking about my number? You know what I mean?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, I think the weirdest jersey number in basketball. I mean, like Luca seventy seven's odd as hell. Yeah, but you also got, um, I think Ennis Cantor wears like double zero for the Knicks. And I'm just like, Oh, why? Like zeros, zeros fine. Like Gilbert arenas, Russell Westbrook, that works, but double zero. That just looks, that looks weird to me. 
Hey, think about this though. And since we're talking about numbers, my favorite Cowboys, uh, well, my favorite Cowboy player of all time is like Everson Walls. He's like he wore number twenty-four, and I think he got the record for the Cowboys. He caught eleven interceptions. Can you imagine if Cheeto Bay or anybody on his team get eleven interceptions in one year? I, I can't fathom that for a single Boy. player. <laughs> that will be I will be happy if this. I will be happy if this defense forces more turnovers this year. Get more sacks mm-hmm. and create turnovers because that's really been the thing. Like recent years, the last two in particular, they've been better. Mm-hmm. Now they had like three weeks last year where they cratered, but they've been better in terms of total defense. But they're not getting enough sacks and they're not flipping the field with turnovers. They need takeaways and they need sacks. If they can take that step forward this year and even just get. Mm-hmm. Even just a slight raise in sacks, but you know, half a dozen more interceptions or something, that that's monstrous to what it can do for this team and all that. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jacob Perkins. He quoted me saying 14 seems like an odd number and corrects me that it's in fact an even number. Not the odd I meant, sir. <laughs> shout, shout out to him, man. And a lot of people saying Jarvis Landry wore 14, so they've been using their, their Google. And okay, that, and so it, it is starting to break out then. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. Michael Kidd, uh, Gilchrist, number 14. I don't know who that is. Brandon Cooks, number 14. They said hush up with the 14. Gilchrist, so we talking NBA there. Yeah. Um, they're bringing out these 14s. but uh, Okay, yeah, 14. 14's making a comeback. Maybe Miles Austin should have kept that number. I don't know. <laughs> he should have kept that number. Because I don't know. I ain't, I'm not going to start that up. But uh, yeah, because I think Keyshawn Johnson wore number 19, did he? Uh, Keyshawn, yes. Keyshawn was also 19. Mm, see, it was just jogging my mind. Um, but, you know, neither here nor there. The the, the thing that I wanted uh, Ezekiel Elliott to wear, too, I wanted Ezekiel Elliott to wear number 22. I think that would have been nice. I do know that he respected um, he uh, he would, Smith, but, but then when he went through all the stuff last year, people would have been even more angry because oh, yeah. you have purists who are saying he's tarnishing the number and things like that. Gregory, 94 is vaulted, but it's not vaulted as 22. And But it, wouldn't that be different. nice? Wouldn't that be nice? If it, it would look clean, easy. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it would look clean as hell. Yeah, I, I just think that you'd have the traditional Cowboy fans even angrier when he went through all that because Randy Gregory, with what he went through, like I said, 94 is uh, – a vaulted number but not to the same degree and then you talk about like well his thing is just he can't stop smoking pot it's different than you know being linked to domestic violence whether or not it went down like you know was claimed right but still uh yeah it, it would look it would look nice and clean um gregory rodriguez is asking how the d tackle position is looking uh i was i heard something from brian broadus the other day i believe it was brian broadus i'm remembering this from like two days ago. So I, I jump around through all the sources and all that. So sometimes I hear different guys from camp and they mm-hmm. cross in my mind. But uh, I think it was Brian Broadus, and he was talking about how right now, as much as Earl Thomas would help this team, he actually thinks that a defensive tackle would be even of greater impact on this team than Earl Thomas right now, like a good defensive tackle. And I, I think that's kind of interesting too. Now, because uh, we don't have David Irving there right now, so mm-hmm. I don't know what that's kind of an indicator of. I, I've heard some people on the Irving thing. Now, granted, this is speculation from like a week ago, so maybe I'm out on this, but I've heard nothing new to disregard it since then, that there are there is concern within the organization. He might not even rejoin the team this year. 
that like he's got enough issues going on that he might kind of have to stay away or something. Yeah, the, that's at I, least the whispers. The whispers. The bird told me too as well that uh, he may not even play at all this year. And I do know that a lot of people are so high on uh, David Irving. And then that could be a little smoke stream too as well uh, that, uh, that that they're trying to pump out there to the masses. But this It's is a weird thing. smoke screen if that's yeah. the case though because it just incites panic. <laughs> right, panic, panic. You know, and then Houston like, oh, okay, we don't have to worry about this guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this is the thing. You know, if you look at our defense and mm-hmm. Rob Marinelli, he, he just liked to bring pressure with his front four. So – if you have a defensive tackle, a good, strong, big plug that can count for two, and then you got the guys that are coming off the edge because D-Law is looking real nasty off the edge. And then you sprinkle in what Greg, uh, Randy Gregory can do, and if you throw in what the taco can do, yes, this defense will look furious with a real traditional defensive tackle. And you'll That's probably say awesome. to yourself, you know, maybe we don't need a safety, you know. But – yeah, I think Brian Broaddus is right. He's finally uh, agreeing to what I've been saying all all this offseason is that you have to concentrate and focus on the core. If you can create yep. pressure up the middle, then that, that, will, that will force the quarterback to pass the ball out quickly. Think about this. Edge pressure is cool and all, but seasoned quarterbacks, because we're going to play a bunch of those, like the, uh, the, the uh, Drew Brees of the world. Even, I know we ain't, we're not playing Tom Brady this year. But, you know, those seasoned quarterbacks, they know how to step up into that pocket and make that pocket their home, and they're not even worrying about the edge, you know? Right. So, and they're well, taking I mean, you apart from there. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the, like, the Giants, for example, mm-hmm. uh, when they were, their defense was stellar two years ago, the main thing they had, they had Snacks Harris and they had Jonathan Hankins. Mm. Those aren't, those are like, uh, I think, one tech guys in that case. And what they do, they're not guys that generally get to the quarterback, but they plug up the line and go. they keep you from stepping up. So all they do basically is they just keep it contained so that the guys on the edge do typically break through and get there. Or if they try and run up the middle, you know, giant ass refrigerator right in your way. So <laughs> right. that that's basically the thing. So I, I know Dallas values guys who are more versatile in that way. And versatility is great, but man, that can't be your only like grading scale for whether or not someone could be a fit for you or whether or not someone could benefit you to sign. Uh, Snacks is still out there, man. <laughs> like I, I'm Jonathan I'm, Hankins, whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snacks Harris is out there and I, I don't know about if Hankins is out there. He might be, Maybe, but yeah. it, it's just, it's strange to me that those guys would be available still because it's like, man, if defensive tackle is, any kind of concern the guys have been out there long enough now it feels like you should be able to get them at a pretty reasonable price and we're going to have a lot of cap money after this year like we've actually been doing a sneaky quiet good job with our finances lately right we should have cap room finally to do something we had all those years of all that dead money and it's finally falling off the books after this year and they should be able to do something now that doesn't mean they're going to go out and jerry jones style money whip two guys and then they're back in debt mm-hmm. but you can still afford to get something like this and I, I feel like that could be exactly what they need maybe they value uh malik collins kind of filling that role but i i worry about his health at this point honestly right it, it's, it's going to be a minute foot injuries now yeah two yeah. broken foot feet foot same foot <laughs> right uh, you know uh he'd been back to back injured and then on top of that if you look at our competition you know, we do know that uh, the, the Redskins, they stout. 
and should I mention the uh the, the filthy their style too as well they got some plugs up there in the middle and, yep. and I'm talking about Fletcher Cox that's all you can say Fletcher Cox is going to demand two maybe three people <laughs> and he and you sprinkle in the, the, the Tommy the Timmy Jerrigan how you say this man's name Haloti Nada uh, mm-hmm. these guys rushing off the edge Bennett and then the, the brunette kid man they got some guys they deep and I'm talking about deep they're deep on that front front four and they can sprinkle in the rotations and they can blitz their linebackers so we got a we got a whole entree of food that we got to eat when we play against them because old birds they're going to be dirty they're going yeah. to be dirty and and that helps out everything and then they got the sydney jones guy coming back on that playing corner so we're going to have to be really in order to be the best you have to beat the best you know what they're saying and we have to have to find a way to have our depths just as deep as theirs, and we just can't do that by sprinkling in the Bryce, was it Brian Price who got body slammed the other day? Yep. I mean, yep. <laughs> I got to hit this thing right Finish here. Him. That's what exactly what uh, <laughs> finished him. That's exactly what uh, what my guy uh, Travis Frederick or Zach Martin, one of them just just took him and body slammed him through the dirt, and then I think he got that, up. I think that one was Frederick. Frederick, yeah, Frederick just so. body slammed him through the dirt, and he got got up and weeble wobble back to the end. And I was like, "No, you better get up, push him back, or do something," you know. But I think that he yeah. just slammed his soul out there. His soul somewhere still in Oxnard out there on that on that turf. Yeah, no that that was uh that was savage for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, defensive tackle man that that is that is a concern, especially if they think they might not be getting David Irving back. If you're not going to get him back. Mm. then that does raise questions along this defensive line, especially because we don't really know how long it's taking uh, Malik Collins to come back. Uh, he He's on his way back, I guess, but I haven't heard anything suggesting it's too soon. If I'm, mm-hmm. you know, if someone has uh, updated info on that in the comments, hit me up, let me know. But I, I haven't heard any mention of him really other than like the, the hypothetical regarding possible fill-ins for that role. If Irving doesn't return. So yes, indeed. Yeah, that that would be a concern. In that regard, I would agree with Broadus that uh, as much as we like the idea of Earl Thomas, Mm -hmm. at at this point, at this point, we've been talking about Earl Thomas so long. I don't even like talking about it. (laughs) Me too, man. (laughs) Like I'm like I'm like until I see the breaking news that he's coming, I'm not I'm not even gonna care. I don't care that he posts something on Instagram saying either extend me or trade me. (laughs) that's your business. Go do go do your thing. Yes, yeah, so stop like, showing up for camp and then just wait for us to come get you, Dan. And, and shout yeah. out to Ari because Ari had a good post too as well. He's posting on on the Facebook channels on Law Nations and then on yeah, DMP. Phantom. Check out uh, Phantom if you guys haven't already. Ari yeah. Timken and Big Game James and Silver and Blue Nation. He's everywhere. So um, that guy's got some good insight. Go follow his page and follow his Twitter handle too as well, and uh, plug him up with some information that you have out there so we can spread this thing around. So in closing, uh, what are your final thoughts on this uh, training camp, uh, DDP? Uh, man, I, I think I think it's really encouraging what we've seen. I like the creative use we've seen regarding the receiving core. I like the strong development we've seen so far from a lot of the defensive guys, including guys, one of the most under two, I would say two of the most underappreciated Cowboys on the roster right now are Byron Jones and Jeff Heath. The fact that mm-hmm. Jones is probably having the best camp out of the secondary and Heath is having a very strong camp is quite encouraging to me, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like to see Jordan Lewis get a little bit more run with the first right. team. I know, I know he's frustrated, uh, not running with the starters. Mm-hmm. And I, I, 
I think there's a bit of, I don't know. I know Richard likes the bigger corners right. and everything, and he's obviously not a bigger corner. But I think technique-wise, he's more than capable of being uh, with that first team. So I don't know. I don't know what comes of that, but I'm curious to see how that develops as well. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, if we look at this thing all together, man, um, of what we expect, and I'm I expecting uh, big results from our running back core, I, I've seen a play today. Believe it or not, of uh, Bo Scarborough just smashing through someone. I can't wait to show you guys those clips there. But overall, I think that this team is doing everything that we need to see out there on the field. And and that just having fun out there. Uh, having a new wrinkle with even even wide receivers carrying bricks in their hands for crying out loud. Yep. And uh, yep. Chris Richard challenging the, uh, the opposition. That means everything to me, guys. So with that being said, I really appreciate everybody for tuning in to the nation. It's always a pleasure. This is the Dallas Prospect Show. Every legend was once a prospect. Follow the uh, the website too as well. We got great content. I'm talking about tons of information stuff out there. And uh, we're live on uh, Dallas Prospect, Phantom, Silver and Blue Nation, Big Game James, and EBSN Online. Uh, and, and that's pretty much all from here. You got any any shout outs you want to give out before we run to as well? Uh, shout out to Carrie Teagle here in the chat. Teagle uh, as well. Yep, Teagle. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Yeah, Joseph right. Jones, Ryan Die again. Uh, yeah, Mr. Wright here in the Dallas Prospect chat. And uh, Stevie Mac23. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check out the site, thedallasprospect.com, your home for Dallas sports and all things pop culture. Check out the stream as well. Uh, I'm doing multiple streams a week now, talking Cowboys, talking Mavericks. Probably going to be moving forward and doing some other new stuff here soon. But Mm -hmm. we got a lot of great stuff going out. We got people within our network and everything who are at training camp. Big Game James out there doing work. Ari out there doing work. So uh this is this is going somewhere man this is uh gaining steam we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do big things yeah we growing man and uh and every day we growing every day we're getting bigger than what we were yesterday and uh shout out to steel chips <laughs> that's funny miss jackie shout out to you too as well we know we love you and uh wrong shout out to you i think that's your name buck Beryl and uh josh David McLothery, I can't say your last name, (laughs) Barry B, shout out to you, DJ, man, thank you everybody for tuning in to the nation, and remember, you're listening to nothing but the best, and don't forget about that podcast, Law Nation, and the Dallas Prospect too as well, join those podcasts, hey, go ahead and tell them man where they can find you at too as well, DDP. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, the Dallas Prospect, or you can find us on Twitter, at Dallas Prospect. Uh, we're also on Twitch. Like I said, you can check us out at the website, thedallasprospect.com. And hey, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube already, hit us up. We're growing. We uh, we just passed 1,200 subs the other day. So moving along, man. Yes, man. Yes, we growing, baby. Let's get this thing going. Let's get crunk, baby. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, so let's see. So you already hit your tagline? Oh, yeah. I already hit it. I already oh, said it. Remember. Yeah, all right, all right. Guys, no, you Every legend was once a prospect. Yes, indeed. <laughs>